Good morning. Our first reading is from Ezekiel 37, the 37th chapter. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in the responsive reading of Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Today's second reading is from Romans, the eighth chapter. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds 
on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel is from St. John, almost the entirety of the 11th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. A certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of his world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant talking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, My brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. 
Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and calling for you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and, and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and they said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this on his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation 
and not only for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put Jesus to death. This is the gospel of our Lord. So on the message time, thinking about this story, and it's, it's read so often, and it's read a lot of times at funerals, I was thinking of more than, than a graveside with a body that had been there for four days. I started thinking about our world, how we've kind of come into our homes as like little tombs, and into our cars, and in, into our privacy places. But even before that, how we have been coming into tombs with other ways. And so I was thinking about that whole process, and that's an some of the, I think, the inspiration with God's Spirit on what we're going to about to, what I get to say. So starting off with this, I, have some, I had some distant memories um, of my childhood that were refreshed by my mother the last time that she was here and over the years in different ways, about the times when I was like, say, some five years old to around six, seven years old. In those times, we were living in, in New Mexico, and, and every Saturday morning, it was kind of like a ritual. I'd wake up just in time for these things. I'd wake up to watch my favorite Saturday morning cartoons. It started off on Saturday mornings, we think. It started off with a show that was called Speed Buggy. It was this dune buggy that talked and lived and raced his little speed buggy heart out. He was overcoming all sorts of just cheating and mean-hearted other cars and people, and they'd find a way to win the race but also help people along the way. Speed Buggy. Then after Speed Buggy came Scooby-Doo. People still watch Scooby-Doo today, so I won't say anything about Scooby-Doo. But then after Scooby-Doo came these cartoon versions of the superheroes, Oh, man, back in the day, I absolutely loved Aquaman. I would, I would practice that I would be swimming underwater with him in the oceans of the world for as long as I could hold my breath. Swimming, I practiced swimming like the fish and try to swim like a fish. Um, it was beautiful, that thought. And then I was also Superman. He was like the coolest thing ever because he could fly. And both of these guys were just trying to save the world. So when I saw that speed buggy race across the desert and launch across canyons and just land on the other side and continue his race and do all these cool turns and stuff, when, I, when I'd watch the superheroes fly around and swim around and just race around, my heart, my hope as a child was sparked. My dreaming was fully alive. My imagination was without, was without limits and, and oh, I wanted to do all the things that they were doing. I wanted to fly as high as the clouds as the superheroes and join them in their battles for good. I wanted to race my bicycle along with speed buggy and just win races and, and help people along the way. So one Saturday, I was testing my bike riding skills. I was racing down the sidewalk. There was a slide hill in front of the house. So I was racing down the sidewalk as much as we can, and I, I launched off the curb out into the road, and I had to have flown at least 30 feet before I touched the ground. Oh, it was a beautiful moment, racing. And then I'd ride my bike down the road, and I'd slam on the brakes and slide that back tire around and pedal off in the way. I was making a turn and sprinting to the finish just faster than anything known to humanity. I was convinced. And then it got better. The next Saturday morning, after watching those shows, I was realizing that the superheroes would fly around and do all these really cool things and their noble activities, and they did so, and they had superhero capes. 
So, of course, I had to find the biggest pillowcase and the biggest pillow in the house, and I took that pillowcase, I tied it around my neck, and I didn't care if I was so small and the pillowcase was dragging in the ground behind me as I walked around. I had my cape, and I was ready to go. So there I'm on the edge of the bed, and I jumped, and I think I went all the way across the room before I landed on the other side. It was magnificent, this cape and superhero powers, right? And then... With that cape on, I just knew that I could run as fast as Flash. And so I'd be outside, and I'd be running and jumping. And it was like, imagine he was right there with me. We're having a great time. I would jump off of things, things that I wouldn't die from, jump off of things with arms outstretched and the cape flowing behind me, the wind going through my face, the hair is blowing back. And I believed I was flying. I was invincible. I was one of them, a champion of all that was good. The next week, I put to the greatest test of all. We had this front porch, and the front porch had to have had, it was raised up probably like four steps, so it's probably about as high as this, as this chair back right here. And then just on the other side of this, this porch space were a bunch of bushes that were planted, and you had steps this way, and on the other side, there was bushes over there. And so I, put, I got my bicycle up on this porch, and, and I was going to put everything to the test I was going to fly off of that porch, go over the bushes, land on the other side, make the corner and race, and go capture a bad guy on behalf of Speed Buggy. And that's what I did. That's what I set out to do. Put my bike there, had my cape on, hands ready, ready for a bad guy to pass, and then off I pedaled and scooched across that porch, and, and off I went. The outcome was not what I imagined. It was into the bushes, a flip into the bushes and onto the ground and it crashed with a painful landing. The bike might even landed on me. My mother had caught a glimpse of this because she was in the house and she saw this kid flashing on his bicycle across the porch through the windows. But by the time she came out, it was too late. But she was there to help pick up a bruised, not-so-superhero body and then help bandage the cuts. I don't remember when it happened. But sometimes later, there was a day. And that day came without an announcement and without a warning. I woke up and I never wore that pillowcase, cape, again. I'm not sure where the, not where the knowledge came from. But the knowledge came nonetheless. From some moment on, I knew that flying like Superman and saving the world, that swimming like Aquaman and saving the oceans and, and, and racing like Speed Buggy to, to defeat ugliness, it was nothing more than a TV cartoon illusion. There were no real superheroes. Cartoons, they were not real. And I was just a little kid. Looking back now and thinking about it again, that day of enlightenment, it was a sad day. Something inside me died. Whatever that something was, it was the stuff of, of dreams and imaginations. It was the stuff of creativity and hope. 
It was the place where laughter and dancing and singing and playing, that they were real and they were alive. Perhaps even at a very young age, I had known that, that the possibility of flying, the possibility of swimming like Aquaman, the possibility of racing like the speed buggy, that, that wasn't the point. The point was the aliveness I felt when I thought I could fly. The point was the aliveness I felt when I thought I could join the superheroes. Aliveness was a voice I heard inside, a warm, loving voice, a a living and believing voice, a courageous and dangerous and adventurous voice. Friends, now as an old guy looking back on those days, and similar days over the last many years, I think that the voice of aliveness is the voice of God. Aliveness. I have experienced it as I would dream about being a, a husband in the, in the homes and the places I could share life with with my wife. I dreamt about it as I would be a father and I could provide a car that would travel safely and a house that could provide warmth and security and I could be a good father. Aliveness. I experienced it Many times over years, I, when I would dream great big kingdom of God dreams, dreams of churches filled with the healed people of God, with the grateful and joyful people of God, the encouraging and faithful, worshiping, God-dreaming people, churches filled. Experience it when I would dream of visitors who could come into our church and our church home and there find safety in, in an adoptive church family of the good news of God's love in Jesus spreading faster than any COVID-19 virus could think of. But one day, a day in which I cannot date, my God-fearing or my God-hearing, it went bad. That fully alive voice of God within, it was It was gone. Maybe it happens to us all. It's a sad day that day when we become acutely aware of an absence of God's aliveness and of joy. We no longer hear the God voice and his aliveness and we're just left in that place in silence, but it's not a silence. It's not a quiet, peaceful silence. It's a roaring, restless silence. And it's not that we we wanted to stop hearing God's voice. In fact, God always keeps speaking to us. But the events in our world, they somehow became so loud And they reach this crescendo through our quest to have more and to be more and to please and to be recognized for these clanging noises of our busyness and the distractions we occupy ourselves with. This noise of a soul-smothering volume and endless activity. Maybe that world noise is then combined with the noise of these aliveness robbers and thieves 
who always are presenting the challenges to our dream coming truths and infect us with negativity and at times stinging harsh criticisms. All these things and more, they can seek to drown out and choke this voice of God and his aliveness. Idealism and innocence die first. Then certain hopes and dreams fade. Then spontaneity and creativity go. Then the passion for life. And then ourselves. Our real selves. Those persons that God made and intended us to be, they are sealed somehow now in an unmarked tomb. Our aliveness. What tomb did we slowly and unnoticeably enter so that God's voice isn't heard anymore? Friends, today, Jesus is God's alive voice. Today, we remember that Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus when Lazarus and his family were unable to move and they were trapped in that place of sadness and death and hopelessness. To them, Jesus came. Some scholars say that Jesus, Martha, and Mary were some of Jesus' best friends. And yet we're perplexed and we're troubled by the reality that Jesus came to them at such a slow place. They would have been even more so troubled by that slow pace. No doubt Martha had hoped that Jesus would show up to heal Lazarus. But Jesus didn't. She had hoped that Jesus would show up to bury Lazarus and there at the graveside maybe say some nice words. But Jesus didn't come. By the time Jesus made it to Bethany, Lazarus was dead four days. Martha was no doubt wondering. Mary was no doubt wondering. Maybe the whole community was wondering what kind of friend is Jesus really that he shows up after he's been dead four days. Still, Jesus came. And he came at a pace that would bring the most glory to God. And now that Jesus is there, He's standing at this tomb, and he says, for all his enemies, his negative critics, as well as those who love him, as well as those that have never seen him before, he's standing in front of all of those people, and he says for the world to hear, Lazarus, come out. What Jesus calls Lazarus to is immediate life, aliveness now. Not a, a residence forever in this tomb of dullness. Not a life buried in some world of busyness tomb. Not some I'm wounded and hurt and battered and bruised with all the negativity and criticisms and maybe my failures in life tomb. No, Jesus came to restore life now and aliveness now. A popular author and speaker named Mike Iaconelli, that's a good name, once you hear it, you don't forget it, Iaconelli. Mike Iaconelli said this in one of his books. He said, the most critical issue facing Christians, and if he was writing it today, probably would have said COVID-19, 
But the most critical issue facing Christians is not abortion, not pornography, not the disintegration of family, not the disintegration of moral absolutes, not drugs, racism, ugliness on television, or the absence of prayer in schools and in life. The critical issue today is dullness. He says that sin is more than turning our backs to God. Sin is turning our backs to being alive with God. And it is to that life now that Jesus calls when he says, Lazarus, come out. Now, friends, now that the American life is slowed, and maybe it's a little bit calmer without that numbing, life-numbing busyness that was consuming us all, and now that you've heard the, the gospel lesson today and some of these words of dreaming and, and Jesus calling Lazarus to a place of aliveness, I ask you, wherever you are, at whatever age you find yourself and whatever context in life you find yourself, what is Jesus saying to you in these days? What tomb... Do you find yourself near or actually in or way at the very back of this tomb? Wherever you're at in this tomb, what is Jesus calling you out of? When he names your name, and in here I have a Matt, and I have a Don, and I have a Kelly, and I have a Doug. If he says your name, and he claims you by name, what tomb are you in these days that Jesus is calling you out of? Whatever tomb you're in, no matter how long you've been there, on this day, I, I, I pray that God will hear, you, Jesus, hear Jesus saying to you, your name, and then come out. Come near to me again. Come near to me and live again. Hear my voice and rediscover your God-intended aliveness. Come out of the tombs of this world and back to the place of God-inspired wonder. Places of kingdom idealism and heaven's innocence. Where the, the hopes of Jesus and dreams of Jesus and his spontaneity and his creativity and this passion of God that can be within us, that they can be unbound and set free, that we would live in the Holy Spirit of God and with Jesus. Now, I know that the world and its noise, it can be loud and we can pay attention to it, participate in it. But today we remember that Jesus is still speaking. Today we give thanks and praise because Jesus is still calling. He wants each one of us, his little children, to have the aliveness as his children again. And he wants us to help others with aliveness as well. Wherever you're at, you're his body his spirit's in you, and you're his church. So God help you be his church. Amen. At this point, we will declare our faith, and we will use the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. 
He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And we pray. Heavenly Father, on this day and at this time, we give you thanks. We thank you for giving your Son to die for us. We thank you for offering your Holy Spirit to surround us and fill us with life. That you love us and you pursue us even when we are consumed with unhealthy and unholy desires. That your power to forgive and to give life is greater than our power to sin. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. prayer. Especially, Lord, on this day we give you thanks and praise that you have put worship into our hearts and minds. We thank you for placing thoughts and desires to share this good news of your Son in our minds, that you have placed a desire to take care of people in our minds. We ask, Lord, that you would guard, guide, and bless, and empower all those working towards your kingdom purposes. Lord, in your mercy, hear hear our our prayer. prayer. Lord, if it gives you glory, bless those who are going to celebrate birthdays this week. Lord, if it gives you glory, bless husbands and wives who are celebrating anniversaries this week. Lord, let love and life prevail and prosper. Lord, we ask that you would bless those who are in in a time of mourning, of loss of loved ones this week, that you would comfort their loneliness. Lord, that you'd bring healing to to those who are wounded by by sin in this world or wounded just in their bodies. Lord, that you'd be with those who are hospitalized those who are recovering, those who are facing treatments or surgeries, especially those we name in our hearts now. Lord, in your mercy, hear Hear our our prayer. prayer. And Lord, thank you for our children. Help us to teach them of your kindness and of your mercy and of your way. Help us to show them your love, your strength, your safety too. Help us to show them who you are, Help them to love them like you love them. Now, Lord, into your hands we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.